Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. I'm your host, Calvin Timms. You can find me over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. And I am super excited to talk to you guys today. It's just been a couple days since my last episode, which I was going over the rookie quarterbacks and kind of just getting you to know them. And today I'm super excited to bring you the rookie running backs and just to get your names Get these names into your head so you know who to look for on draft day and who you should be excited about going forward. And one of the biggest things I wanted to touch on first before we get into it is one of the number one things I'm hearing about this offseason is that it's a terrible, terrible running back class. And I got to say, I disagree pretty heavily personally. And There's a lot of people that are big names in the community that are saying this is a down year for running backs. And the reason why I am so adamant against that is because this class does not have the superstar power that we had like last year with Clyde, Taylor, uh, Dobbins, Akers, and even DeAndre Swift, right? That's five guys that have potential to be RB1s. But what this class does have There's a a few guys at the very top that have the RB1 potential, but this class is absolutely littered with RB2s. And if you know anything about fantasy football, more than likely the running back position is not what is going to carry you to a title. It can. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but look at last year. Christian McCaffrey goes down to injury at the end of the season. Dalvin Cook missed a little bit of time in the middle towards the beginning of playoffs. He absolutely carried you through the playoffs. But uh, look at Alvin Kamara. He had a couple down weeks and then he absolutely killed it in the playoffs. My point is the running back position in fantasy football is one of the most grueling positions and that's why it's the most valuable right because there's so many guys that can have an impact every single season and it doesn't have to be a season-long effort from these guys it can just be a game two games three games in a stretch while the number one guy is down for injury and the fact that this class is absolutely littered with guys that have the potential to be rb2s They're the guys that are more than likely going to get you over the hump to get you to a title. And that's why I like this class so much. Again, it doesn't have the star-studded superpower at the top, but not every class has to be 10 RB1s all in one class, right? You got to have some depth pieces every once in a while, and this class has plenty of it. And especially with 2021 going to a 17-game season, it's going to be even more critical to have more of a stable running back committee. And to be honest with you, we all want that workhorse running back, right? We want the guy that's going to go out there and get 500 touches, whether it's passes and carries combined, whatever it is. And 
it's just going ever more unlikely to happen in the NFL right now because just more and more teams are just going to the committee approach. If you can get a running back that gets more than 70% of touches, man, you're pretty much locked up at the position with that guy just out of pure volume. But again, it's getting more and more rare for teams to use that guy in the 70% plus touch range. If you can get a guy with 60, 55 plus, it's more than enough. And again, I think this class has tons of guys that are going to be able to contribute that day one. And it's not even saying that they're going to not blow up and be RB1s. They have that potential as well, some of these guys. But I'm just penciling them in as an RB2, and I think that there's that potential. But if they do blow up and they do hit and you get an RB1, it's even better. So I think this class is pretty good, and I will touch on some of the names here shortly. But uh, before we get to that, thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much. And I wanted to just give you guys an update on what I'm going to be doing here with the HammerCast because last episode I announced that I'm joining the HammerCast network and I am super excited about that. And one of the projects that I'm doing that I'm going to be kicking off here shortly And if you haven't seen it, go join the HammerCast YouTube page because that's where you'll be able to find all of my content that I'm going to be producing for them. And you'll also be able to check out some of the awesome content that they're putting out themselves already without me. And it is some fire content, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. It is pretty good. You get good discussions and great thoughts on both sides of of opinions um, on some of these players. And Like I said, I'm super excited to be working with these guys, but my first project that I'm going to be doing with these guys is next week, I'm going to be recording a new series that is going to be a just weekly dynasty debate on a certain player and, or it can be a player, it can be a team, it can be this player or that player of this or that kind of situation, ADP based, whatever it is. And I'm super excited because I love debating. Um, I'm a bit argumentative, I've been told in my life, and it's something that it's just fun because if you're not pressing on the narrative, right, that is going on with some of these players, you don't get to actually see the truth in it and why that narrative is what it is, right? Because uh, how how is it that uh, Miles Sanders is such a hit? last year in 2020. That's all I heard. Miles Sanders, bye, bye, bye. But now in 2021, everyone is fading Miles Sanders. So pushing on that narrative back in 2020 would have been great just to hear the other side of it and to not just have the consensus, what the community says goes, right? And that's why I'm super excited about this series that I'm going to be bringing to you guys. And just a little bit of a hint for you guys, because it's my podcast, right? And I can leak this out to you guys a little bit. Our first debate is actually going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Joe Mixon. Who would you rather have? And I'm on the Clyde side and my co-host is going to be on the Mixon side and we're going to get into it. So it'll be a fun one. Again, come check it out and listen to it. And when it does drop on the HammerCast YouTube, go give them a follow, give them a like, give them a subscribe, comment, help them out over there. Again, You're not only going to be able to get my content that I'm going to be putting out there, but you're going to be able to get some fire content from the guys that are they're already putting out. So just wanted to drop that in there real quick. But let's jump into the running backs for this 
year's rookie draft. And the number one guy is pretty much consensus at this point, and that is Najee Harris out of Alabama. And Najee Harris, he is an exciting prospect because in terms of star-studded ability, Najee Harris is one of those guys who has the instant RB1 potential. Now, what does Najee do well? Well, he is a monster of a man. Think Derrick Henry, only quicker, more agile, right? Najee is around 230 pounds, which for context, Derrick Henry is 238. So Najee is just a big dude. He's six foot two. He's just a big big back and he has great hands and he's very very agile side to side that's one of his biggest strengths so you're getting uh basically a nimble ballerina of a bull going down the football field so he's someone that is extremely exciting just because of what his skill set is that he has no real flaws I think his biggest flaw that people are kind of knocking him for is his age he's going to be 24 going into his rookie year in the NFL he's a senior at Alabama had a little bit of a late start you know he start he's just older for his age and that's not necessarily a bad thing Najee Harris doesn't have a ton of touches uh, I think he's going to be great in the NFL level again he's He's RB1 instant potential. Now, number two is going to be Travis Etienne. He is someone who also has that RB1 potential. He's a guy out of Clemson. Um, he's a senior as well. He went back, same as Najee, for their senior year. Kind of didn't work out too well for him because they uh, they went back into the COVID season. But imagine these guys in the 2020 draft class with Clyde and in and Jonathan Taylor and all those DeAndre Swift ranking these guys would have been so tough but so it is kind of good that they fell to 2021 but Travis Etienne he's a bigger guy as well um, he's kind of a guy who doesn't have that side-to-side agility that you would like to see as someone like Najee Harris but Travis Etienne has lightning fast speed. He can take it to the house on any single play. And he is a great pass catcher. There's a story going around how when he was a freshman, he did not feel comfortable catching the ball. So he practiced and practiced and practiced and made that a strong suit for him on the football field. And what do we love as running back owners in Dynasty? We love a back that can catch. So Travis Etienne is someone that is super exciting, has that instant RB1 potential because he's an all-around package. Again, he can score from anywhere. The biggest thing that's going to determine how I feel about Etienne versus Najee Harris, which one's going to be the one-two, is honestly going to be the landing spot. I like Harris more uh, just on raw talent of the prospect, but if ETN goes to a better landing spot, I'd probably lean him, and I don't think that it'd be wrong to lean him over Harris. Now, the real question is, Number three on my list, which is Javante Williams out of North Carolina. He's a junior. He's a little bit younger, which is great for fantasy. And the question is, where does he go and how do people rank him? He's the guy that I have. He's the last guy on my list that I have as RB1 potential right now. Um, I think that he can definitely be an RB2. He is someone who is basically... Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson put together and just on steroids. He is a bruiser of a back and he's super fun to watch, man. He is someone that's just exciting to watch. And 
it's going to, again, he's not the most polished pass catcher, so he's going to be more of a touchdown upside kind of guy. Think of like a Nick Chubb, right? And that's the number one comp to Javante Williams right now is Nick Chubb. And everyone says that's crazy. He's not Nick Chubb. Well, yeah, his name is Javante Williams. Of course, he's not Nick Chubb, right? But he can be just as good as Nick Chubb with his skill set. He is very similar in their abilities. It's going to ultimately depend where he goes if he has an opportunity to succeed. If he goes to someone like Jacksonville in the second round, I'd be all in on him. It would suck for all the uh, James Robinson truthers out there, but Javante Williams in Jacksonville would be an upgrade on Robinson, and I would love it. He would have so much touchdown potential. It would be great. So again, those are the top three guys on my list right now. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, um, again, Etienne, his his only downside is that he doesn't have that side-to-side agility that you'd like to see. Najee's downside is his age, and Javante's downside is his pass-catching ability. But they all have very solid floors that I think that they're going to give you for fantasy, and they definitely have an RB1 ceiling potential. So um, I love these guys for fantasy. That's the top tier for me going into this rookie draft. But where it gets really interesting, and this is where people say that this draft class isn't that good, is the next few guys on this list. And they're saying that it's just not as good, is not as exciting, right? But numbers basically four through seven or eight, I think all have potential to be RB2s instantly right out the gate, depending on where they land. Landing spot will have a little bit of a bigger impact this year than most years, but um, I'm going to lay out these guys for you and just kind of hope into existence some landing spots here. But number four on my list is actually going to be Michael Carter out of North Carolina. He was Javante Williams' uh, partner in crime there in Carolina this year. And I think that Michael Carter is being slept on way too heavily this year in the rookie draft. He is extremely talented, and I think that people are overlooking how good he actually is. Now, to get into what the pros and cons of Michael Carter are, the first pro is that he is extremely agile. He is very, very quick on the cutbacks, right? He can kind of cut back at any angle and hit the hole really hard. He doesn't have the best long speed. He's not the fastest guy down the field just in an open situation, but he can catch as well, extremely well. So Michael Carter, he's kind of like the all-around package, and his only downside is his speed. Think Lev Bell from a couple years ago because that was the biggest ding on Lev Bell back when the Steelers took him. He wasn't fast in his 40, right? And that's kind of what Michael Carter is. He's got good vision. He's got good uh, He's got good agility side to side, good cutbacks, and good hands. But he doesn't have that speed that really gets you excited about these guys. He is a little bit older. He's going to be a, he was a senior at North Carolina versus Javante, who was a junior. But just to put this in context, I wanted to lay this out for you guys because Najee Harris is the number one back in this year's class, right? He was a senior. Um, people were very excited about him, and he is extremely talented. Don't get me wrong. But for context, this is Najee Harris's college production, right? He had 638 attempts total as a 
college player for 3,800 yards, which was an average of about six yards per carry. He had 46 touchdowns. A lot of them came this year, 26 touchdowns in 2020. And that's just a crazy number. So that's why people are so excited about him, by the way. But he had um, 80 catches in his whole career for about 800 yards. And that's an and 11 touchdowns through the air, right? So that's that's Najee Harris. That is an impressive, impressive line of stats, right? But Michael Carter, let me just lay this out for you. 514 carries for 3,400 yards. So 120 carries less than Najee Harris for 400 less yards. So he's very, very explosive. 6.6 a carry. He had 22 touchdowns, so he didn't have nearly as many touchdowns, about half as many touchdowns, but he had 82 catches for about 650 yards and six touchdowns through the air. So what that tells me is he's not as good at getting in the end zone, but he can do literally everything that Najee Harris can do. Michael Carter can do it too. Okay, so that's why I think that people are overlooking him a little bit. Imagine Michael Carter with San Francisco because he's going to be a cheaper pick, right? He could be a third round pick to San Francisco and I would be all in on it. So just wanted to lay him out for you. I'm giving him a little bit of love because I feel like he is the one guy this class that isn't getting any love whatsoever. So um, Michael Carter is extremely talented in my book. He's number four on my list. That's who I'm really excited to be getting in most of my drafts because the biggest thing for Michael Carter right now, you know where he's going in your rookie drafts? End of the second round. End of the second round. You can get a potential RB1 at the end of the second round. So I think that is just insane. I think that's so crazy that you can get him so late. So uh, number five on my list, I'm going to just keep rolling here, is going to be Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis. And the biggest thing I got to warn people on is he's saying, oh, everyone's saying, oh, he's the next Antonio Gibson. He's out of Memphis, right? Well, Kenny Gainwell, his he's got two problems with his game that make him nothing like Antonio Gibson, right? First is, he was always a running back, right? Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver that converted to running back. So he never really had that skill set. You know, he had to develop that. So he kind of had a unique approach at it, right? And that's kind of why I think that he's so good at getting into the end zone. Well, Kenny Gainwell has always been a, always been a running back, and he is much smaller than Antonio Gibson. So that's his two flaws. Anto- Antonio Gibson is about 220. I think Kenny Gainwell is around 200, 205, which is pretty small. So that means that Kenny Gainwell is never going to be a workhorse back. You can't be that small and just be uh, a workhorse. You have to be around the 220s to really see a ton of carries on the ground. So that what that tells me is that Gainwell is going to be used more as a um, workhorse or as a committee back. You know, he's going to be part of a committee, 1B maybe to a 1A. And that's totally fine. Again, he's someone that is exciting to me because I think that he can help you get over the line in your fantasy championships. And that's more than enough for me. Uh, he's going at the end of the first, early second, and that's still a pretty good value on a guy that has potential RB1 upside, very, very low end RB1. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Gainwell 
could finish as the number 12 guy because he does have really good hands. Um, he was not a wide receiver like Gibson was, but he does have pretty good hands. He can't, he doesn't understand the routes as much. I don't think personally, I don't see him as fluid in his routes as Gibson was. And that's kind of the biggest knock on him, but his hands are top notch. So, um, Kenny Gainwell, number five for me. I really like the talent, and I think that he will be great if he goes to a pass-happy team. Number six for me is going to be Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, and this is a guy who was talked about as the RB1 potential going into 2020. He's a senior. He went back for his senior year, um, and he did not have a great season in 2020 and again COVID season he it was really just kind of a weird year and people are just now knocking him completely I've seen him anywhere from RB4 to RB15 on people's list and he didn't get any worse I think just the team around him and all the drama if you remember back with him and his head coach and the COVID season I think that it all just kind of perfect stormed him into a terrible year and people are knocking him way too hard. I think that he is very talented. He's not a real great pass catcher. Again, he's kind of more of the Javante Williams type of runner, uh, but he is a power back, man. He is someone who can definitely get 1500 yards pretty easily. Um, he could be a workhorse, you know, or maybe a, a early down short yardage touchdown kind of guy. And it wouldn't shock me if Chuba Hubbard comes out to a team and in year one has the potential for 10 touchdowns. That's just kind of who he is, right? So I think that Chuba Hubbard is extremely talented, being overlooked a little bit too much, and he is number six on my list. Again, he's a guy that's going at the end of the second round. He's so valuable there because, you know, Think of A.J. Dillon last year, and we're going to see it this year, but think of how that pick is going to pay off. You know, He wasn't a guy that you had to overpay for like a Najee Harris if you wanted to go get a running back. So you can kind of get him a little bit on the cheap. So that's, that's, uh, that's why I like Chuba Hubbard so much in this year's draft. Number seven for me is going to be Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma and uh, OSU. Now, Trey Sermon is kind of difficult because the biggest problem with Trey Sermon, he is extremely talented. He is very electric with the ball, but he has a massive injury risk. He missed quite a few games in college. So it's hard to evaluate a college running back when they miss a lot of time. So, um, I think that he has everything you're looking for. Again, I always say this. I'm the number one guy that probably says this in life is they're injury prone until they're not. You know, Trey Sermon could come to the NFL, get drafted by a good team, and maybe he sits out for a little while because he has to earn his place on the team. But ultimately, he's too good to not make splashes for that team. Now, is he going to be able to stay healthy for the team? I don't know. But Trey Sermon the prospect, if you take away the injury risk, is an all-around prospect. He would be right up there around four, three or four for me in this class if he could stay healthy. But you got to throw in that injury risk, and that's why it kind of dings him a little bit. So I really like Trey Sermon. He's number seven for me. Um, And he is the last one, actually, before it starts to fall off. Now, again, seven running backs with RB2 potential – 
potentially RB1 finishes. You know, all, I could see Chuba, um, Chuba, Carter, Gainwell, and Sermon all finishing as low-end RB1s. Carter maybe higher just because I love Carter's skill set so much. But the fact that you got four guys that are potential RB1s with RB2 floors, as long as they're on a good team, you know, depending on landing spot, I think that's a great class. Now, there's a lot of guys after these who are, uh, they're they're difficult, you know. Um, I don't know if I'm as high on a lot of these guys. This is where it kind of really starts to fall off for me. Depending on who you talk to, you can get, get the names and the skill sets on a lot of these guys, but not a lot of them really, really excite me because of just where they're coming from, the competition that they played, um, or just their skill sets and and things like that. So um, I'm going to rattle off a few names here. Demetric Felton out of UCLA. He's a senior. He's a guy that's going pretty high. Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. Again, another senior. Both of those guys are very, very athletic, um, but and they had. I think they both tested pretty highly in terms of just like what you're looking for. I think it's the RAS scale. Uh, go look it up. I think it's. I forget what it stands for off the top of my head, but essentially both of those guys scored very, very highly on that scale. Um, the problem is just going to be draft capital, right? Are these guys going to even be drafted in day two, day three? If they're, if they're past the fourth round, I'm really not excited about them. But depending where they go, it could really change things for me. So this is the tier of guys essentially that landing spot is going to be extremely crucial. The, the last tier the Gainwell, Carter, um, Sermon, and Chuba Hubbard. That tier, I'm not super concerned about their landing spots. If they if they land in the right spot, it might drive them up a little bit more for me than um, some of the other guys. But like I said, I'm not worried about them whatsoever. These guys, though, in this tier, they're the ones that I'm really concerned about where they land. If they don't go to a good spot, I'm definitely dinging them for it. So, um Again, you got Felton, you got Khalil Herbert, um, another couple guys, Jamondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. A lot of people are very high on him. Again, senior. So the biggest downside there is these guys, those three guys are all seniors, which means they're a little bit older. Uh, the next guy is probably Jermar, Jermar, Jermar Jefferson. I'm not sure how you pronounce his first name, so I apologize if I'm brutalizing it here. Uh, but he's out of Oregon State. Not the greatest competition there over in Oregon State. Again, you can find a highlight reel of Jermar. Jermar? I'm going to say Jermar. Um, But you can find a highlight reel that shows you everything you need to see that says, oh, he's better than Christian McCaffrey. But again, it's the level of competition that I kind of ding him for a little bit here. Um, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. He's someone that I need to look into a little bit more. I remember back in 2020, um, Kylan Hill was talked about coming out in the 2020 class, and people were saying that he was right around like RB6 in that class. If if all of the guys had come out that year, Najee, Etienne, um, Kylan, Chuba Hubbard, all of them, I think I remember seeing a pretty good consensus that Kylan Hill was going to be around RB six to seven to 10 in that class. And out of all those guys, that's a great class to come out in. Right? So the fact that he's falling so much in this year's draft, I really need to look into why I forget. I I know I've heard some of the 
rumors and stuff, but I, I gotta do my due diligence on him. I, I got, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, he's someone that I kind of overlooked and I forgot about until just now, but, um, he's someone that, again, he has potential. I know that he was very good and very highly touted. I'm not sure why he fell off. So I'll look into that and I'll let you guys know. But yeah, again, super cheap value, third, fourth round pick, kind of worth it in my opinion. Um, another guy, Puka, Puka Williams out of Kansas. Um, he's a junior, pretty talented guy, but there's a lot of names here that have potential. And again, it all depends on landing spot for him. So until the actual NFL draft, I'm just throwing these names out there just in case you hear them, but it'll ultimately depend where they go in the draft. Could some of them be a surprise play and go pretty highly? Yes. Am I expecting it? No. So um, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. The draft's coming. We only got a couple more weeks until the actual NFL draft. I think it's about two and a half weeks until the draft. So it's coming and it's coming soon. And that'll be great because I'm so tired of talking about these prospects without having a landing spot, right? It's impossible to debate Michael Carter versus Najee Harris until we know where both of them go. If Michael Carter goes to San Francisco and Najee goes to Buffalo, I'm probably taking Michael Carter over Najee. I'm not going to lie to you. So um, that's just me personally. But yeah, I, I just think that we're getting to the point where it's getting tough to kind of nitpick some of these decisions on these players. So um, that's my thought process on the running backs. Again, just to get these names out to you guys before the draft. And I did the quarterbacks last time, did the running backs now. Next time will be the wide receivers. Uh, I might actually throw the tight ends into that episode, make it a little bit longer because the tight ends, there's about three or four guys that I'm really excited about for fantasy and after that the list kind of drops off pretty heavily like usual for the tight end so I might throw them into the wide receiver ones and just make it a pass catchers episode but we'll see how that goes next time so thank you guys so much for tuning in let me know what your guys thoughts are I will be excited to get you actual rankings on these guys after I know where they go here in a couple of weeks. Again, this is not a rankings. This is a pre-draft rankings from me. I give you my top seven guys and then a few guys after that that I'm, they're about, they're all number eight. We'll just put it that way. So um, thank you guys again for listening. Go give Hammercast YouTube channel a look. Uh, be ready because I'm going to be dropping some content on that and I am super excited. Again, if you guys don't know, I am doing Dynasty consultations um, just to give you guys a heads up. I'm limited on time even more now after I joined the Hammercast, but I love breaking down people's rosters, giving them some insight into their short-term, long-term plans that they should be going for with their teams, uh, giving them guys to target in the actual rookie drafts coming up. So if you're looking for a consultation on your team, you're kind of stuck in the mud on a team, you're not sure what to do with it, let me know and I can definitely give you my insight. It's all completely free. I'm not asking for a dime from you guys. Uh, maybe just give me a follow over on Twitter and I'll call that payment enough. So um, get them in, Get them on the list. I have a few lined up still, um, and I love to just keep rolling with them. I don't have to make them public. They're all private, so I'm not going to be shaming you on social media. So don't worry about that if you're concerned. But again, give me a follow over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. 
Thank you guys for tuning in and have a good night. We'll be right back.